Let's pray as we come to God's word this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for your many blessings to us. And we particularly thank you for your word written. Please help us to understand and to put this into practice in Jesus' name. Amen. That's Michael getting ready for the sermon. (laughs) Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. That's how Psalm 128 begins. Blessed are all who fear the Lord. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. We're continuing a series we've been doing for a a month or so called Summer Blessings, during which we've been looking at this idea of blessing from a number of different angles. And the topic this morning is blessing and prosperity. Psalm 128 says that people who fear God and obey him, genuine Christians in other words, people of genuine faith, these people will experience blessing and prosperity. That's a bold and optimistic statement, isn't it? And we need to reflect deeply on what this psalm means and what it cannot mean. So what I want to do today is look at the psalm first, and I'll use a three-point outline that I'm borrowing from a commentary by Donald Williams, and then I'll conclude by making some comments on the so-called prosperity gospel. So let's look at Psalm 128. 128. We'll look at this under the three headings of blessing announced, Blessing described and blessing pronounced. So blessing announced, verse 1. The announcement of blessing comes in verse 1 in the form of a beatitude. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. So those who are blessed are those who fear God and obey him. Now what does fearing God mean? To fear the Lord means to revere him, to give him his due as the holy and majestic creator of all things. To fear God is to have him as the supreme authority in your life. It means to keep the first commandment, to have no other God than this God. And to walk in obedience to him means that your faith in God is lived out in real life. God says, go this way, and you go that way. God says, stop, and you stop. God is at the center of your life, not you, nor anything or anyone else. Now, this sort of holy reverence and obedience is a good thing for us. The psalmist says we're blessed when we keep God at the center of our lives like this. And it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? If God is God, he's bound to be pleased with people who acknowledge him and obey him. Also, God has made creation in such a way that blessing comes when we do life in God's way, when we live in harmony with God's creation. As someone said, if you go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. Now, what does this blessing look like? So here is blessing described, our second section from verses 2 to 4. Because this is the Old Testament, the blessings that are described are quite concrete, quite material, quite this-worldly. The psalmist says this, 
You will eat the fruit of your labour, blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots round your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. So the main blessings are to do with work and family. The original believers who would have sung this psalm as they walked up to Jerusalem would have largely worked with their hands. Many would have been farmers, carpenters, fishermen, cloth workers, laborers, etc., like you see in the New Testament. It's a great blessing when you work with your hands to, quote, enjoy the fruit of your labor, to actually get the benefit of the hard work you've done. So one of the things I did in long service leave was I cleaned out my shed that had developed a leak. It took quite a while. And now I enjoy the fruit of that labour by going into my shed and everything is in order. (laughs) So it's a great blessing when you work and you enjoy the fruit of your labour. This means things go well with you as it did for Isaac, say in Genesis 26, when he worked hard and planted his crops and then we're told he reaped a harvest over a hundredfold. Why? Because the Lord blessed him. Or it's like the wife of noble character in Proverbs 31, who works hard making clothes. She trades and out of her earnings, she plants her vineyard and her children call her blessed and her husband praises her. Proverbs 31 verse 28. Or it's like Lydia, the cloth merchant in Acts 16, who becomes a Christian and then out of her earnings, she's able to offer hospitality to the apostle Paul. God blesses her work and she is therefore able to bless others. They're enjoying the fruit of their labours. And we all know what a great blessing such fruitful work is, what such productive work is. And many of you work hard and you've done lots and lots of things in your work lives and are still doing it. So when you get that assignment done or you create a new product or an IT system or you build the house or you finish that renovation finally or you use your professional expertise to help other people, or you serve on a board and you see the board making a difference to a group, or you're a student or you're a teacher and you enjoy what the outcome of the educational process. Work can be such a blessing. You get satisfaction, you may even experience joy in some instances, and often you get paid to do it. Blessings and prosperity are yours says the psalmist. Now, the other concrete blessing mentioned here is to do with family. These verses are addressed to the man of the house, and he's told that a wife and children are blessings from God. The imagery of the fruitful vine and the olive shoots again remind us of the rural background of this psalm. It's a picture of domestic happiness, a happy and productive marriage with children bringing joy to their parents. It's almost an idealised picture. It's almost like we're back in the Garden of Eden with every relationship good and positive. The relationships between God and humans, between husbands and wives, between parents and children. And under God, humans experience a deep peace and a deep shalom. All is well with the world, starting from this little domestic picture of harmony. The the psalmist summarises the situation in verse 4 by saying, Yes, 
This will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. And that mention of the fear of the Lord brings us back to where we started in verse 1. And these blessings are all predicated on a right relationship with God, a reverent submission to God and a willingness to obey. Productive work and a happy family life come as a result of faith and are seen as blessings from God and things to be grateful grateful for. This is the picture the psalm is building. Then we come to the last section, verses 5 and 6, blessing pronounced. The psalm ends with a liturgical blessing pronounced over the faithful. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. May the Lord bless you. Blessing is God's to bestow. It's an act of God's grace to us. If we experience anything in verses 2 to 4, anything like that sort of domestic harmony or productive work, it is an act of God's grace, isn't it? Blessings flow from his generosity and grace to us. So it's appropriate that every day we are thankful for the blessings we experience The blessing of God is not just for the faithful person of verse 1, nor is it just for the faithful family mentioned in verses 3 and 4, but God's blessing is now for the entire city of Jerusalem, verse 5, and even the nation of Israel, verse 6. Also, God's blessing is not just for us in our generation, but also for our children's children, verse 6, our grandchildren, in other words. So from this prayer or pronouncement of blessing, you get the sense of how all-encompassing and interdependent God's blessing becomes. The peace and prosperity that is prayed for here is not just for me, it's not just for my little family, but it's for the nation and for the following generations. It's a communal and generational blessing. You see, to live to see your children's children is a great blessing. And if the nation is peaceful and prosperous, and prosperous, you're more likely to experience such a long life. Any country that goes through war knows how unlikely it is for you to see your children's children. The psalm shows us that blessing is something that is prayed for and pronounced over people. There is a mysterious power, I think, in pronouncing blessing over people like this. It's like speaking life into people, reminding them of God's goodness towards them. That's why it's so lovely at the end of most Anglican worship services, the minister will close with a blessing. I remember once being overseas with Ginny and we went to a Pentecostal church in the morning, which was fabulous, and then we went to an Anglican service in the evening and the minister just finished with a simple Anglican blessing and something in my heart went, this is why I'm an Anglican and not a Pentecostal. (laughs) It just resonated with me. It was lovely. So we've seen blessing announced, blessing described and blessing pronounced. The blessings are for the godly individual and for the nation, and they include productive work, a happy marriage, children, and grandchildren. 
the blessing of the individual godly person leads to a blessed family and this contributes to the blessing of the entire nation. That's why when people say the family is the bedrock of the community, that's, that makes sense, doesn't it? And it is the one who fears the Lord who will experience such personal and communal blessing and prosperity. Now, that's a very lovely picture, isn't it? Let's just think about this a little bit more under the heading of blessing and prosperity in a general sense. The connection of faith, blessing and prosperity in Psalm 128 raises some questions for us. Will a person of Christian faith always be blessed with prosperity? Is prosperity the normal Christian experience? There's a form of teaching which says yes to these questions. It's variously known as the prosperity gospel, the health and wealth gospel, the name it and claim it gospel. No matter what name is used, the essence of the message is the same. This gospel says that God wants believers to be healthy, wealthy and happy. An example of such teaching is American televangelist Robert Tilton, Bob Tilton. He built the Word of Faith Family Church, which at its height grew to about 8,000 members. He wrote a number of books whose titles give you a feel for his theology. So here are the titles. The Power to Create Wealth. God's Laws of Success. How to Pay Your Bills Supernaturally. I think we like that one, don't we? And How to Be Rich and Have Everything You Ever Wanted. This is from a Christian pastor. Teachers of the prosperity gospel encourage their followers to pray for and even demand material blessings from God, like the blessings you see in Psalm 128. They often ask believers to make donations to their ministries with a guarantee that whatever you donate, God will give you more back. So please send us in $100 to our ministry and I guarantee you God will outgive you and you will get a hundredfold in return. Kenneth Copeland wrote in his 1974 book, The Laws of Prosperity, this, I quote, Since God's covenant has been established and prosperity is a provision of this covenant, you need to realise that prosperity belongs to you now, exclamation mark, end of quote. Oral Roberts is considered to be the father of the prosperity gospel, at the height of his influence, he oversaw a ministry that was bringing in over $100 million American annually. Now, there are many critiques of this prosperity gospel on the internet, which you can follow up. Just type it in, prosperity gospel critique or something like that. But all I want to say here today is that it is manifestly not true. It's a false gospel built on poor theology underpinned by greed and it damages anyone who is taken in by it and it is still being promulgated on Australian television if you are interested. Yes, God wants to bless you, but not necessarily with health and wealth. Psalm 128 is not the whole story. Ask yourself this question. Why did Christ die? 
He didn't die to save you from poverty and a hard life. He died to save you from sin. He died to save you from God's righteous justice that must be administered to all of us. Poverty and disease are part of the broken world Christ came to save, but neither will be eradicated until Christ returns and puts everything right. Until then, we must live with poverty and disease and unemployment and broken relationships and families that just don't quite work. When you become a Christian, Christ calls you to take up your cross and follow him. Therefore, Christian discipleship includes suffering and hardship. Think about the the metaphor of lifting up your cross. That is a difficult thing to do. That is an image of what it's like to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. You're following his role model. Look at the Apostle Paul who faced many struggles as he preached the gospel. Look at the saints in the book of Revelation who had to endure persecution and even martyrdom for their faith. They're not promised health and wealth. Yes, we can pray to God for healing, for finances, for jobs, for marriage partners, for children. We can pray about our work. We can ask God to bless what we're doing between Monday and Friday. We can ask God to bless our families, as is described in Psalm 128. But whatever blessings we receive in those areas must be received as gifts from God's grace to us, gifts of God's generosity to us, not anything we can name and claim. They are blessings from God, things we don't deserve and things we cannot earn. We can't buy God's favour. He can't show us any more favour than he showed to us in Christ on the cross. When God blesses you, when he blesses your family, when he blesses your work, the appropriate response is to say, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord to be deeply grateful and extraordinarily humble. And when things are difficult, the response is to pray, to pray for God's mercy and favour. But like Job, remember Job in the Old Testament? Like Job, to maintain your faith and endure the hardship, trusting in God's eternal purposes for your life. It doesn't all happen here. As someone said, if the prosperity gospel is true, if the prosperity gospel is true, then grace is obsolete. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. Let me say that again. Blessed are all who fear the Lord and walk in obedience to him. So may God bless you with fruitful work and happy families. May God bless our city and our nation and may you remain obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ all the days of your life. Amen.